You're listening to Consciously Crude. Unapologetic truths the collective is ready for. Granting permission for the incognito spiritual badass to dive deeper into the magic of their universe. Come out of the spiritual closet. Awaken your courageous heart. Step deeper into your divine power. These are the quantum upgrades your matrix is ready for. Let's dive deep. Hello and welcome everyone. Uh, Thanks for joining us here at Consciously Crude for our third episode. We're diving into Breaking the Matrix. This is going to be a juicy one and we really hope you enjoy. Uh, So to start us off, I'd like to just kind of talk about what the matrix is. And um, it might seem a little dark right off the bat, but bear with us because there's lots of light in this conversation. So for me, the matrix is, you know, without diving into the movie too much, um, even though we can make a lot of great comparisons with it, um, the matrix is really how our society and our mainstream society is today. It is an environment in which something else is developed. And unfortunately, that something else that is being developed is a lot of fear and a lot of uh, disconnect from our own selves and our own true nature. And so the matrix is really a set of programming or conditions that we've created as an entire society that keeps us in a specific pattern and keeps us in a specific cycle. And really that looks like our, you know, our nine to five careers, our coping mechanisms, our, everyday life that keeps us feeling productive without actually getting anywhere. Mm -hmm. Amanda, what do you think? Touch on the matrix from your point of view. Absolutely. Well, I think that you really, (laughs) you encapsulated it beautifully. Um, For me, I find trying to even create an understanding of what that is can sometimes feel a little um, almost overwhelming when we think about how our entire reality, our entire being is really a set of uh, beliefs or, you know, even in, uh, in like yoga known as like samskaras. It's like mm. the continuous cycle of patterns. And, um, you know, I remember, I remember watching like the Matrix movie and thinking, oh, this, this is a weird movie and being, being quite young when it first came out. And when I started to really awaken to these patterns that I had within myself, and that I was noticing within the people within my environment and within our culture, within our society, I started to recognize that this movie was not just, um, was not just a movie. It was really, um, it really <laughs> let that, let that bark be a confirmation. Um, <laughs> right. um, it was, it was really a, uh, an opportunity to start to see that our reality is so um, fabricated and you could see that as a good thing or you could see that as a bad thing. It really is neither, neither or. Like it's, it's, it is what it is. It's that we are living in a uh, reality where ultimately our choices, our thoughts, our beliefs are creating the fabric, the network of our consciousness with both ourselves and with the people that are collectively around us. Absolutely. And I think how that happens, because people are probably like, whoa, that's, that's a big statement. Like, how do we get to that place? Um, is really has to do with our conversation today about what is the conscious mind versus the unconscious mind. And so um, can you 
touch on or maybe dive really deep into your awareness and understanding of what these two places or these aspects within our own selves are. I know you work really closely with these parts and with clients. So let us absolutely. Hear oh my gosh. So I am absolutely obsessed with the unconscious mind. Mm. Um, it is my belief that when we are in conflict, when we experience conflict in our lives, both externally, like in the people around us or the situations around us, or when we experience conflict within ourselves, it is because there is a lack of integration, a lack of communication, a lack of relationship between the conscious and unconscious mind. Mm. So let's talk about what those are. So the conscious mind um, you could imagine, if you're imagining an iceberg, let's say you're imagining an iceberg and you can see what's above the surface. This is what we could say is your conscious mind. So your conscious mind uh, you know, is awake. We're right here right now. We are thinking, we're operating. We believe to be in control. We believe that we are right now sitting here and that we're creating everything that we're ultimately bringing forth in our behavior uh, with what we say to each other, et cetera, et cetera, and, and, and. Um, the reality is there is so much below the surface. There's mm. so much below the surface of what we see that that iceberg, the 10% we see is only a, a portion. There is 90% or even presumably far more um, that exists below the surface. And when we consider that your mind and your body are... Um, networked and are ultimately like networked in terms of like all of your neurology, all of your neurons, all of your physiology, everything that's connecting your body together, this network of, of information that's bringing information from your, your mind, your brain into your physical body. There's an entire network that is, that is happening that we're not conscious of. Like I'm not sitting here going, oh, I need to digest my breakfast. I better get working <laughs> on that. Like my body does that. <laughs> right. Right. And when we're, when we're sleeping, we are not conscious yet. It's not like we're dead. It's not like we're not existing. There is an existence that's happening and it is, um, there's an aliveness that is really there, but it's not, we're not thinking about our dream. We're not asking ourselves to dream a certain way. Um, perhaps some people are, but ultimately it's not common for someone to do that. So we have this storehouse of information. It's almost like you could imagine a holographic library. There is like files and files and books and books. There's all this knowledge, there's all of this information stored in this unconscious center. And your body is what is storing your mind. So we can kind of tend to see these as separate. We can go, oh, my conscious mind is my brain. My unconscious mind is my body. The reality mm -hmm. is there is no separation and there is no difference there is complete harmony between these two. It is when we are out of harmony with that relationship that there becomes conflict and we start to um, create logic or we try to create um, that monkey mind, that understanding when there is something so intelligent beyond our conscious awareness that is operating below the surface and that is driving ultimately all of our behavior, all of our thoughts, all of our um, most unconscious patterns and reality. Um, right. And when you say conflict, can you give us examples of what those sorts of conflict could be to uh, become in that state of monkey mind or trying to figure things out and really stuck in that cerebral space? Totally. 
So conflict could be um, like a, a good example that I find that it's quite relatable is let's say the person that um, really wants to start taking better care of their body. They want it. They're like, you know, I know, I, you know, I know that I, that I'm not eating, you know, the right foods. I know that like, I should not be eating ice cream every night. I know that I should probably go on a run in the morning. I know that I should probably do more yoga and meditate. I know all of these things conceptually, logically, consciously, right. but oh, I can't seem to stop sabotaging. I can't seem to stop sleeping in. I can't seem to stop eating that whole pint, even though I know if I have one bite, it's I'm done for. So there is the internal conflict of wanting something consciously and unconsciously being almost like at a loss or almost like a victim to your, your circumstances being like, I don't have control of this. It is an uncontrollable mm. thing. Um, another example of this, maybe a little bit deeper would be like, I know that I want to be in a relationship with someone who loves me, yet I continue to date people who cheat on me, who verbally, physically abuse me, who like whatever the story. Um, right you know, like quite literally a conflict, a physical conflict outside of yourself that you're also witnessing. Um, right. You know, I hate my job, yet I stay in it. Why am I doing this? It's been 10 years and I'm miserable. I'm not getting the promotion. It's right. like these, these behaviors that become ingrained, almost like a tire spinning in the same rut and feeling like we're helpless to get out of it because we're trying to do it consciously. We're trying yes. to consciously... Um, it's almost like a calculator trying to overpower a supercomputer. It's like you need to have access to the codes of that supercomputer to tell it what you need it to do so that it can start to work for you on your behalf and in your favor and in your, in your best interest rather than against you because you are of the mindset or of the belief that what you want, you can't have. Right. So I think it would be interesting to touch on how these patterns or conflicts, if you will, end up there in the first place. Totally. I mean, we don't, we don't choose to go into a job that we feel like excited about in the beginning and then in the end end up being like in the same situation we were with our last job, right? We don't choose to go into a relationship that um, feels so good and light and fun and then two weeks later, it's just like your last 10 guys that you were with, right? <laughs> and so where, where do these patterns uh, get integrated into the system and how did they yeah. get there? How do they show up? How do they start? Well, there are um, a couple different, I guess, schools of thought on this and I'll kind of keep it as simple as possible. Okay, and um, then I will elaborate a little bit. <laughs> yes, sounds great. So ultimately... Um, when we are brought into this world where we, you know, we hear of like all these philosophers talking about how we are like this blank slate and that we ultimately are, people say like, oh, children are like a sponge. Children absorb all kinds of information. Um, I'm going to burst your bubble a bit. You are also an adult, like a sponge. Mm. You are still a sponge. Uh, you have a conscious filter. You have a filter of what makes logical sense to you and what doesn't. Um, however, that filter, that filter is defined by your upbringing and by what beliefs created that filter. So um, between the ages of zero and seven, before the age of seven, before there's kind of that logical, um, almost identity with self that children begin to develop, 
typically children are quite unconscious, right? They tend to, they tend to do things um, quite emotionally. They tend to do things quite irrationally. They, try, they tend to make uh, associations really quickly. They learn really quickly um, because they are developing and because they're absorbing all of this information with no conscious filter. Um, we often see people who are, you know, when, when we're older and we see people who really um, enjoy that same feeling when they're either, you know, high or drunk or in a really new relationship and they feel just completely liberated. It's like, there's no conscious filter. There's nothing that's going, this is maybe not a good idea. Or like, you can't do that. You're not capable. It's like, I'm going to do it because I'm invincible. And we, from that young age, when we're children, we come into this world believing that we are enough, that we are worthy, that we can do anything, that we're lovable. Like we don't have any negative beliefs um, necessarily uh, that we, that we come into this world with. It's that there are, um, there are patterns and, and environments that we pick up through the people that we surround ourselves with when we're young, the programming that we watch on TV or that we absorb in our environment um, through uh, experiences. So, you know, one example I, I like to think of is like, let's say you are um, little Johnny and you're doing a math test and it's your first math test and you ace it. You do amazing. And you think, oh my God, I am so good at math. I love math. I love learning. I love trying new things. Mom and dad are going to be so proud of me. I'm so smart. That creates an entire filter around math, around learning, around trying new things. If little Johnny does that math test and does horrible in his mind, um, the first time he does that math test, he might think, wow, Johnny, like, you're really not, you're really not that good at this. Like maybe you shouldn't try this anymore. And like math isn't your thing. And like, this is really embarrassing. And wow, like what am I going to, like my mom and dad are going to be so disappointed. There's an entire filter that comes with that experience. So we, we consider this to be a significant emotional event or an S-E-E-S-C. And this significant emotional event gets stored in the body through the physiology, like think of like that little kid when you, when I was telling that story, you could probably imagine this kid just like, wow, like I'm not good at math, how that was absorbed in his body versus mm -hmm. the kid that's like, ah, I'm so good at math. Like his body language mm -hmm. is going to be completely different. That belief gets stored and it becomes part of who you are. It becomes part of personality. Once that behavior is repeated over and over, it becomes just who you are. And so now there's an identity with being good at math or being not good at math. And until we can start to go, that's not real. That's not real. That, that's been fabricated. That's been created. That is an illusion of what is real. Because you can choose to have a completely different belief if you simply had a different experience. Then we can start to see that this is really just a, a matrix that we can play with, that we can reprogram, and that ultimately we are um, very unconscious too. So it's up to us to really develop the conscious awareness of the unconscious mind. Right. And I think that that's a perfect um, topic to touch on next is how do you build that awareness? But I first want to also um, connect the unconscious development um, to not only the experiences that we kind of feel within our own bodies, but 
to also um, what we're exposed to, which you touched on a little bit. Yeah. And to recognize that, you know, a lot of the time spent during those years, zero to seven, uh, you're really spent under the, the guardianship of either your parent or another person, a teacher, whatever that is. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're humans too. Right. With their own um, conscious and unconscious stuff, if you will. Totally. And so when they're doing their best and most loving um, way of bringing you up, they're still going to be um, sharing some of their own beliefs because that's, that's what humans do. Right. And so to recognize also that during that time when you're zero to seven and that unconscious is a sponge, it's actually installing all your operating programming for your adult life based off of the beliefs of other people or of media or of this or that. And so we, we have to recognize that even though this period of time we were spent collecting different information and different experiences, that that doesn't define us. And I think right. that that's what the, the biggest mistake is that we've made as a human society is we've allowed our conscious mind to define who we are. Mm-hmm. And that's so limiting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you want to maybe also, because you're talking about how those beliefs can get passed down. Yeah. Maybe you'd like to share a bit as well with your experience with the unconscious or the subconscious um, about like generational beliefs or generational programming do you have anything you want to add there yeah so you know in for the beliefs and and for anything that gets um stored in that unconscious mind that keeps us in these patterns it's important to recognize that these beliefs have a um have a trait that is true for all of them and then that is that they are telling you that you are not love or not lovable or not loving. Mm. And so it's for us to recognize as spiritual beings here having a human experience that our, our raw emotion and our, our raw self is love. So anytime you're experiencing something that's pulling you away from that center, um, we can call bullshit. Yeah. <laughs> Right. And that's the fear coming in and that's the conscious mind stuck in its story. And that's okay. Mm -hmm. Um, We can build awareness around how to overcome that programming, overcome that, that information um, and choose otherwise. Um, But to go back to your question though, because I don't think I really answered that. What's your question again? The question, like I'm thinking in terms of, let's say like intergenerational trauma or intergenerational like programming that because I was saying, I was like, you know, we don't necessarily come into this world with quote unquote a program. Mm. Um, I think that there's also a bit of like, there's an element of, of, of truth to that. And there's a bit of like, it depends as well, because let's say, let's say like your parent like was, grew up in, um, in like a war torn country and their entire right. life, they've been programmed in their body, their physiology to be afraid. And then right. they, they send that that DNA through themselves to you and you download it as you grow up. And even though you may not um, 
Yeah, I want I you to personal. Be- I have a personal yeah. example of that yeah. actually. Yeah, yeah. Um, sure. So yeah, so ancestral um, ancestral blockages, if you will. Um, we've we've connected this through in science with a field called epidemiology, mm-hmm. and um, it really is about how we pass on traumatic. Uh, I don't want to say traumatic. We pass on um, pieces of ourselves that need healing through our lineage. And so Mm -hmm. my example that I have personally is I come from a long line of strong, independent women, Mm -hmm. but from a very, very fierce and even overriding way. So my great grandmother from born in Scotland, thick Scottish accent, she was a single mother. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so back in that day, being a single mother, like that was unheard of and that was tough. And she was, you know, you know, people would describe her as a, an iron hand in a, in a, or a steel hand in a velvet glove. (laughs) She was intense. And um, then my grandmother, again, single mother, and then my mother, again, single mother. And so there, I was the fourth generation of this like strong, overriding, powerful female force with a very um, wounded feminine, a very like overpowerful masculine energy. And um, it was very much ingrained in my um, personality, if you will, uh, because I grew up with my mother who I watched work so hard for so many years by herself with no dating, blah, 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 blah. And so that was a narrative that I held for myself for a very long time is, you know, if I want to work hard and be successful, I also can't have a relationship that is loving and tender. And I I can't be soft with myself because I got to go out there and and protect my children and work hard and, you know, mother hen. Um, Mm -hmm. And I love my mom to death. And I had an amazing upbringing from my mother. And and I'm not saying anything bad about that experience but that was for me to learn how to undo to learn how to slow down to receive to um you know find that feminine flow that really i can work a couple hours a day and that's enough yeah that's all i need you know yes absolutely that painted such a beautiful picture too is like you yourself didn't experience literally what your grandmother did you were not there at that time yet like we we know that our dna is passed down right like we know that we are we are um we 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 we, and we see this with people who it's like oh like you know heart disease is passed down through the family cancer diabetes it's like what is different with that physical sickness or that physical dis-ease versus just the emotional mental belief dis-ease that exists and that requires like a safe space to be held and to be worked through and combed through and impact. Right. Well, I think you and I can both agree that they are one in the same, right? And Mm -hmm. when we do not honor that emotional, spiritual, mental side of ourselves, that is when the physical body then experiences Mm. dis-ease. Can you talk about that? 
<laughs> we totally can. Yeah. Um, I th- do you have something to say? You want me to dive? I want in? you to just. I just want you to go. I know that you like love this topic, so I just want to hear yeah. your juiciness. My yeah, my my uh, practice and my experience has really much been in connection with the physical body, and over the last couple years, I've really come to understand how much that unconscious mind and the physical body are pretty much one in the same. Mm-hmm. And we talk a lot about how, um, you know, the, the brain is talking to the body and sending signals to the body. But likewise, um, peptides are created from cells all over your body. And, and it is the molecule that is used for um, different body systems to communicate. So peptides go from your immune system to your nervous system, to your gastrointestinal system. And and that's how the body is able to communicate with each other. And so when I say the unconscious mind is the body, in my experience through personal training, myself, when I competed in bodybuilding, I really understood this and saw this in practice with people who and myself at a certain time really didn't understand that they could control their life in the way that we know how we can control. Mm -hmm. And they didn't know that they had the responsibility of taking care of their emotional body. And then that was actually what was going to give them health and happiness and the physical body that they're really looking for. And so I saw this to be true with people who had this sort of disconnect and were playing victims to their lives. And I would ask them to do a physical movement. So like hike your left hip Mm -hmm. and they would have no idea how to move their hip. They would move their right shoulder, right? There was a huge disconnect between the, the mind and the body. And we see this with a lot of people and a lot and, and a lot of people listening now probably don't even realize how disconnected to the body they actually are. Mm-hmm. Even for me in my practice where I'm connected with my physical body, every time I go into meditation, I surrender more and more. I am so surprised of how much deeper I can actually connect with my physical body. Yeah. Or certain areas where I'm holding on to, and I don't even really consciously realize it until I'm in my practice and I'm truly letting go. Yeah. Yeah. And so it is to be said that, you know, when we don't, when we have an emotion that is strong for us and we're not doing the work and we don't acknowledge and honor that emotion, you know, this is a basic rule of physics, energy cannot be created nor destroyed. Mm-hmm. So the energy of that emotion, it's not going poof. It's not <laughs> just going to disappear. It has to be placed somewhere. And mm-hmm. if you're not going to acknowledge it and express it and allow it to move through you, well, it's going to stay right there. Mm-hmm. And that's within your tissues. Yeah. And the more and more you do this over time, the more and more you feel disconnected from your body. Mm-hmm. And then you have that person coming to you, you saying, you know, I shouldn't eat these chips. I shouldn't, I, I know I should go for a run. I know, I know, I know, but I just can't. Mm-hmm. Well, when's the last time you asked your body if it wanted those chips? Mm-hmm. When's the last time you asked it if it, it wants to go for that one run, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so from, as an energy healer, 
what is true for my practice is there is specific areas in the body that hold on to specific core emotions. Yeah. And um, it's very true that through movement and through uh, breath work that we can work with tapping into our unconscious mind through the physical body. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And the, you know, for the person that's listening who might be wondering, well, how do our emotions create physical symptoms? It's like, well, mm. you know, consider the last time that you felt sad and you, a physical tear actualized, right? It, it, it moved through your body. It's like there is an energy in motion that is, that is ultimately creating, um, yeah, it's being created. It can't be destroyed. So it's like it either is going to sit as it is, or it's going to. We're going to want to do the what we talk about, like doing the work. It's like the movement of that emotion to allow it to feel expressed. To find that beneath it is love, is the rawness of right. love, which is that when we showed up in this world, you know, when we were a baby, like we we had no, we were we were just pure consciousness. We we're just pure love, pure happiness. Right. Um, right. So, so cool. So, um, yeah, those emotions, I think that when we can get down to, uh, energy healing, it's like, what is the, what is the, um, impact and the, I guess like the, the good, um, like the result that we can receive through feeling our emotions and like actually mm. experiencing them in our bodies and being embodied in our bodies. How does that impact the unconscious mind? How does that impact our stories, our matrix, all of it? I would say that that right there is healing, mm. right? It's, it, you know, healing is not, I'm broken. I got to go fix myself. Mm-hmm. Healing is, a process and you know a lifelong process of unlearning fear and returning and remembering that pure love for oneself and for others and for just this entire existence yeah right so you know when we go and create a practice around investigating the body and whatever lies there there's going to be stuff that comes up you know, and there's going to be, there's going to be anger or sadness or grief, whatever that is. And the fact that we are not giving ourselves the space to feel those emotions is the biggest part of our problem. And the biggest Mm -hmm. reason that we're experiencing dis-ease because we are spiritual beings here having a human experience. And that human experience includes all of the emotions that are available to us. Yeah. And when we start to say, oh, this side of the emotional spectrum is bad, it's negative, it's no good, mm-hmm. well, you're dis- dishonoring a whole part of your experience of yourself. So, so true. You're, you're going to create dis-ease for yourself, right? Yeah. yeah. And so when we go to explore the body and you, know, you, you connect with that liver and you want to friggin' punch someone in the face, like you have to honor that. Do not punch someone in the face. (laughs) No, punch the pillow. The pillow is a great tool for anger. (laughs) You have to honor that. You have to do it. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> what I mean is like you have whatever is true for you, you need to come to a place and accept that that's what it is and to not hate and judge yourself for that to come totally. for full acceptance because you know it's not going to last forever yeah it's always temporary yeah and by holding on to it by re- by rejecting it you're actually creating greater you're you are creating a, a feeling of forever because you're not allowing it to pass mm. and i think of like um yeah, right now imagining almost like a blocked dam. It's like you could easily just move that barrier and let the water flow through. Right. Um, but as you let that build up, build up, build up, it's like these are the neural networks in our body. It's almost like we have a highway that we take all the time. And that highway is super inconvenient. And that highway creates stress because it always hits traffic. And mm. we're frustrated, but we're like, oh, that other highway looks so easy, but I've never taken it before. So like... Mm that probably won't work for me. (laughs) It's Mm. like, what if you just got off that shit highway and got on the other one instead and found that that was way easier for yourself? What if you would kick your own ass because you're like, damn, this whole time I could have been taking this other highway. And knowing that you're like, well, I don't want to feel bad about how I've been putting myself through this. I'm going to stay with where I'm at. And I think that there is a massive amount of forgiveness and acceptance that needs to come with this work because your unconscious mind takes everything personal and takes everything to be like, Oh, it means this is what it means about me. And it's like, no, you're, you're just a human being and you're just doing your best. Um, I was thinking about as well that uh, I'm sure you've, you've probably seen some of the work with like water and like words spoken to water. Mm -hmm. So it's like when we have um, there's studies that have been done where, you know, there's, they have these glasses of water and they say, really beautiful, loving things to the water. And at a molecular level, the, the water looks absolutely like miraculous, looks beautiful. It's like these beautiful crystalline formations. It's like uh, snowflakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and then they have water where they speak really angry, fearful, hateful things to the water. And the water looks demonic at a mo- molecular level. Mm. And when we consider that our bodies are made of water, Mm. ask yourself, how are your thoughts, how are your beliefs creating the structure of your body Mm -hmm. at a most Mm -hmm. unconscious level? Mm -hmm. And um, another study that I saw recently too was like this woman, she did, um, she, she looked at her tears and she noticed like the tears and how every time she cried, like it was like fear or grief or sadness didn't matter what it was but they at a molecular level looked different oh, we get we're getting some barking in here <laughs> this is quarantine life we have four people <laughs> living in a two-bedroom apartment with a dog and two cats so it is, it is a time of uh integration yes but um yeah all fears. to say yeah fears it's like it's that and it's that animal response it's that like that the the animal mind, the reptilian brain, these these primitive brains that ultimately are looking to go into fight, flight, and freeze to protect and serve the body. Right. In nature, um, there is no safety. That's an illusion. Like there's no safety in nature. Like the you know the the deer that's trotting through the through the Sahara Desert is not thinking, oh, if only I can develop this new skill, that line will never get me. Like <laughs> the, 
you know, the deer is, is acknowledging or rather from a very like exist existential level. It's like the deer is never going to be fully safe. Um, and yet when the lion, let's say attacks the deer, let's say that lion, um, lets go and he, he attacks the deer and then he lets go. The, the deer will go through that fight flight response, but then it will allow that to, to pass. Right. It, it won't, it will then, you know, continue to trot along and go eat its lunch. It's not holding on necessarily to that fear. Um, and as human beings, we can have the tendency sometimes <laughs> for many of us to hold on to those stories because the logical human mind is trying to create safety, is trying to create control, is trying to create certainty to be like, if I could only get all the control, if I could only right. get everything perfect, then right. I know I will never have to feel this again. Right. And the, like and you said, the deer, the deer is not feeling safe, but it's also not hoarding all the things it needs to make it feel safe. Right. And that's the <laughs> difference between the human and the deer is that we're allowing that fear or the potential of it mm -hmm. to create stories for ourselves of I'm not safe. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe even like from a mammalian perspective, like the mammalian brain is related with emotion. So there's attachment, right? There's like, there's a different level versus like the reptilian brain, which is strictly just like blink, beat my heart, like keep me alive kind of right. thing. Um, yeah. And that mammal is like, you know, if you, if you abuse a dog, like that dog is going to hold on to that story. Um, the difference between a mammal and a human is that that human has the discernment has the ability to go, hold on, does that still feel true? Do I have to still hold on to that? Right. And that's what creates that free will. That's what creates this, like, in my mind, like the reason why we're here, which is to have the free will to choose. Right. And to recognize that in that choosing, we are always free. Yeah. Um, we may not be able to conceivably control our circumstances around us, but we always have the control of what do I want to believe to be true about this? Right. And I think that's an important, very important part to touch on is recognizing that what you are experiencing is valid, mm -hmm. but it is also not your truth. Yeah. And, and that's really tough to understand. And I think we might have confused some people with this episode because we're talking <laughs> about how you know you know to to step into that fear and that there's fear is going to be there but then there's also or not fear but anger and all these negative emotions are going to be there but also watch that fear in the conscious mind so it's really being able to decipher between the fact that there is fear in the conscious mind that is running the program and telling you stories that are false and there are emotions that are a result of some actual experience that you had in your reality that mm -hmm. is looking to be expressed. Mm -hmm. And they're two very different things. Mm -hmm. And w even though you might feel angry and that's valid, you're not an angry person. Right. Right. Yeah. And it's understanding that what is valid in your experience. Yes. You might be fearful of something that's going on, but you know, in your truth that you are love and that you are safe and that you are limitless. Yeah, there's like a there's a willingness to release the attachment to the story of the emotion. Mm. It's not who you are, it's simply an experience you are having. And I almost imagine it like again, if we're looking at that river and that river is flowing, 
And we have a block because we're like, I need to get across that river, but yet I need to, let's say, build a raft. I have to build a raft and that's going to be a heavy raft to build. It's going to be heavy, but I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. And we build that raft and we take all this time. We build that raft. We, we, we get it in the water. We paddle across the river. We get across. We go, wow, that was a really, really intense experience. I can sit, I can let this raft just like, I can let it be versus the person that goes, wow, that was intense. I should hold on to this raft in case I come across another river. And it's like, there's Mm. only mountain in front of you. Why are you going to carry a raft up a mountain? You don't Mm. need it. Mm. So it might be valid. It might be valid that you needed the raft. It is no longer relevant. You don't need it anymore. So recognize that there's- Leave the fucking raft. (laughs) You can float. You can swim. You're fine. You'll figure it out. You'll build another one. Like, you can know that you've built a raft in the past. You don't have to yeah. carry this raft until the next time you might need it. It is yeah. not relevant. Yeah. It is valid. We want to still acknowledge it, accept it, respect it. And we're not going to let it dictate our future because in doing that, that would be batshit crazy. That would be yeah. insane to carry a raft up a mountain with no water source. Like it makes no sense. So it, yeah, it would also potentially cause you to miss out on the magic carpet that's 10 feet away from you that you've walked past because you're so exhausted from carrying this mat. Right. Right. Yeah. Or you might even get there and be like, I don't even, I don't even need to climb the mountain anymore. I feel just good just sitting here and like lying in the sun and feeling amazing. Yeah. Like it's the stories that we, that we concoct and conceive and we have to be hyper vigilant and aware about what is it that I want to believe? Mm-hmm. What is the story? What is the reality? What is the matrix I want to create? Mm-hmm. If I am so focused on all of the things that I don't want, on all the things I'm trying to get away from, I'm still putting my focus there. All of my energy is going there. It's a major energy suck. Mm-hmm. And as human beings, we're motivated two ways. We're motivated towards pleasure, reward, love, happiness towards, mm-hmm. or we're motivated away from away from fear, away from pain, away from the same pattern. And what can happen is that we can get stuck with the belief that we are looking towards something when really we're looking away from something. Hmm. The amount of times I ask someone, what is it that you, that you really want? And they go, well, you know what I don't want? I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm like, you're not answering my question. You're still focused on that away from, you're still focused on that raft You're not focused on the magic carpet. You're not focused on the mountain. You're not focused on the beautiful sunny day. You're focused on the thing you don't want and you can put it down. Mm. So that conscious and unconscious mind, it is your most powerful friend. And I talk to my unconscious mind every day. Um, I treat my unconscious mind with the utmost respect. It is that five to seven year old kid within me that is talking to me all the time through my body, through my emotions, through my experiences, through my physical reality. And I think that this is where when, the, when someone really wakes up to this reality, when they can wake up to the, the power of themselves, it can be overwhelming. Mm-hmm. Because you realize just how, how much you've played a part and how powerful you are. And it's like, again, if perception is projection, you could see that as a beautiful thing or you could see that as a as a horrible thing and ultimately you get to be right yeah 
And I think it's important to note that regardless of how you see it, regardless if you see it as, oh, wow, this is amazing. I'm going to go design the life of my dreams now. Or, oh, shit, these past 30 plus years of my life have been, you know, for nothing, it feels like. I have to restart. Regardless of whatever your approach to your awakening is, accepting that, accepting what arises for you, but then knowing that there is a grieving that has to occur now. Yes. Your old self is no longer, and you have to acknowledge that. Yes. To just say, oh, I'm going to carry on now as at this new enlightened being, you know, you have to honor your experience. And that means those 30 years or however old you are of not knowing that you are this limitless potential, you know, really acknowledging that and totally. you know, having even a ceremony for yourself, um, <laughs> writing a letter to yourself, like whatever it is you need to do and whatever tools you need to use to process that energy um, recognizing that that is important. Yeah. And to, and I'm so glad you, you touched on this because I think that for myself included, like there are times that I climb that mountain so high. Mm. I'm so like, Oh my God, look at these new peaks. I can't even believe like what I'm seeing. Like, wow, my reality mm. is so different, but we have to acclimatize. We have to go back down the mountain and get used to this new height because the pressure can be intense. Right. So it's important that you know how to do that safely and that you recognize um, who your support systems are in doing that because there are people that have done that, that they've, they've walked that trail before and they can help guide you. And this is ultimately, I think, where you and I really, mm. where we live is like, we want to help people do that. And, and you yeah. don't have to climb that mountain and exhaust yourself and question your existence, <laughs> question your reality. Um, you can receive support, you can feel grounded and you can get, um, support from, from people like us. So, yeah. um, is there anything else that you think our, our listeners should, uh, should know today, Jazz? What do you think? I think that was a really awesome introduction to the con conscious and unconscious mind. I, I think that this is going to be a topic that we come back to in almost every episode and totally. how it's relevant to each of the, um, the topics and tools that we, we bring to you guys. So yeah, this is not the end of these types of conversations. Oh gosh. It's just the start. <laughs> start. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Amazing. Cool. Well, I am so grateful that we had this conversation and it, every time I have, every time I talk about the unconscious, I can feel myself, just get so jazzed up and so excited. And I'm so grateful for you, Jasmine, for holding the space with me. Um, for our listeners, we're really grateful for you. If you have any questions, anything that's coming through for you, any comments, you want to share this with a friend, please uh, do so. And we're here to support you if there is anything you need. So until next time. Thanks for tuning into the show this week. We are so grateful for another opportunity to dive deep with you. If you want to connect with us even further, head to our website, www.consciouslycrude.com. There you will find how to get in touch with both of us, upcoming events and workshops, and links to our social media platforms. We always welcome your input, so feel free to comment your questions, make guest suggestions, and let us know what you learned. 
And it is so, so, so appreciated that you please rate, comment, and share so we can grow this Conscious Collective platform. With gratitude, Amanda and Jazz. Jazz.